Well, I want to welcome everyone this morning to Orchard Church. Also want to welcome those that are joining us live online on Facebook right now. We launched that last week and we had people watching not only all over the country, but all over the world. Hey, can we just welcome those that are watching live online right now, Orchard Church? Good to have you guys with us for those that maybe are at home with sick kids or you're on vacation your way now we have that option as well well we are excited today to kick off our brand new four-week series called Jonah a story of second chances if you haven't already go ahead and take out your Bibles and turn to the book of Jonah it is in your Bible it's a little bit hard to find it's just a small four chapter book in your Old Testament it's between the books of Obadiah and Micah That probably doesn't help you very much. In my Bible, it's page 1,420. I don't know what it is in yours. If you're using a mobile device, just put in Jonah and you're probably already there. As you're finding your way to Jonah, uh, let me point out a couple of things. When you came in today, on your seats, there were two cards. Uh, The first one is an invite card. There's several of them for you to give out to your friends, family members, neighbors, coworkers, to invite them to one of our seven Easter services here at Orchard Church just in four short weeks. We're gonna have three on Saturday night, three in English on Sunday, and then a fourth in the afternoon at four o'clock in Spanish. And so this is one of the biggest weekends of the year. We're expecting close to 6,000, maybe more than 6,000 people to join us here at Orchard Church on Easter weekend. Um, We know there are going to be a lot of people that come that are unchurched, de-churched, that don't know Jesus. We have an opportunity to help them find and follow Jesus on Easter weekend, and we want you to be a part of that. Also, you'll notice that all the entrances here in the lobby at the church there is uh, places you can get more of the invite cards to give out plenty of those and then there's also a sticker on the floor and you can stand on that take a picture of it and you can text that right out to people or you can put it on your social media it's also a great way to live on mission to uh, help people find and follow Jesus this Easter it's going to be incredible I um, also want to encourage you especially if you normally attend the Sunday 9 or 1045 service at least that weekend to live on mission to free up seats because the service that predominantly um, are under church people are going to come to our community is going to come to is this service in the 1045 so would you live on mission and come to Saturday night we have three services on Saturday Easter weekend so you can free up a seat to help somebody find Jesus by doing that I know a lot of our people are going to come on Saturday night and then serve on Sunday on a ministry team which even would be even better if you could do something like that and speaking of serving on a ministry team hey can we give God some incredible praise that last weekend we talked about stepping up and being a part of what God is doing here at Orchard Church and we had three hundred. 366 people that signed up to serve on a ministry team that is incredible that is a record we've never had that many people sign up so now that you've signed up make sure that you show up and you get on a team and you live on a mission here at Orchard Church and get to be a part of what God is doing also on your seat today uh, you found a baptism sign up card Um, we are doing something we haven't done in about six years here at Orchard Church we are doing live baptisms in all of our Easter services on Easter weekend we're expecting hundreds of people to come to service hear the gospel say yes to Jesus go public with their faith right there on Easter weekend. But if you're someone that's recently said yes to Jesus or you'd like to be baptized, you need to be baptized, you can just sign up on that card right there, drop in the offering bucket at the end of service. They'll contact you and let you know everything you need to know. But it is going to be an incredible weekend uh, this Easter, and we're looking forward to that. Well, today we are excited to kick off our series in Jonah. Let me ask you this question, church, by a show of hands. How many of you have ever needed a second chance in your life? You never ever need a second chance? Yeah, we've all 
all been there. Sometimes we need third and fourth chances. And praise God, we serve a God of second chances. That's what this story is about. How many of you by a show of hands would say you're, you're pretty familiar with the story of Jonah? Would you raise your hand? You're pretty familiar with it, okay? So that's most people, but maybe not everybody. Uh, this is a story about a man uh, that tries to run away from God. He gets swallowed by a big fish. He lights a candle. He gets thrown up on the seashore, and then he becomes a real boy. Okay, wait, some of that was Pinocchio and some of that was Jonah. We're going to sort out the details. I just want to see if you guys are paying attention. But if you've been in church uh, for a while, maybe if you grew up in church like I did, when we think of Jonah, we think a lot of times like this is just a little kid's story uh, that we learned in church, maybe in Sunday school. Um, I'm going to date myself, but remember the flannel graph? And, and you know, there would be Jonah and there would be the whale, the big fish. If you're a Veggie Tale fan, it was Jonah and the big fish. But I, I got to warn you, church, listen. As we go into this story of Jonah, this story is a little hard to swallow. I know, that's really bad. It's, this story can be fishy at times. Okay, enough of the corny jokes. I had to get those out of the way. Come on, work with me, Orchard Church. Work with me. But hey, you know, sometimes people look at the story of Jonah and they look at this story and they're like, did that really happen? I mean, could a, could a big fish or a whale uh, really swallow a man? But just recently, I don't know how many of you seen this, saw this in the news. Uh, it was on social media. This happened about a month ago off the coast of South Africa. There was a guy that was snorkeling and a whale tried to swallow him and they actually snapped a picture of it. It's kind of hard to tell there, but that's his butt sticking out of the whale there. And so kind of a modern day Jonah story that just happened as we were getting ready uh, to do this series. But I want you to understand, this is a real story. This isn't fiction. This isn't a fable. This is a real story that really happened. And I believe it's going to speak to us in a very real and relevant way. You're going to find yourself many times in the story of Jonah. I know I, I did as I, I read this and I think back over my life. Uh, this is right where some of you are. And it's a super practical story. We're excited to jump into this. So let's go ahead and start out in Jonah chapter 1 verse 1 and let's see what happens it says the Lord gave this message to Jonah son of Amiti get up and go to the great city of Nineveh announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked its people are but Jonah got up and he went in the somebody help me out he went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord he went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and he went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. So as this story opens up, God has told Jonah to go and Jonah says no. I don't want to go that way. I don't want to go in that direction. This story opens up with Jonah, a man on the run, running away from the purposes and plans of God that he has for his life and what God has told Jonah to do. I don't know if any of you have ever ran away from something or maybe if you were a kid, you ever tried to run away from home. I remember a couple of times where our kids tried to run away from home. They threatened they were going to run away. Our kids are 23 and 21 now, but when, when they were little, maybe there was something we told them to do we wanted them to do we 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 made them do it and they didn't like it like you know rub your dad's feet you know I think that's reasonable right dads to expect your kids to do that I mean you know we put a roof over their head and we feed them and so maybe you're trying to make them do something they don't want to do so they threaten they're going to run away and this happened a couple of times with our kids when they were young and so as good Christian parents when our kids threatened to run away from home you know what we did we helped them pack yeah we did 
We said, okay, you, you want to run away from home? You want to run away from your mom and dad and, and all that you have here? Well, we'll help you pack and make sure you get a sleeping bag and, and some warm clothes because it's going to get really cold tonight and better bring a flashlight. It gets really dark out there and better take some snacks and food because mom's not going to deliver any food to you out there wherever you're going to run away to. And, and, you know, hey, Caleb, you better take a BB gun. There's coyotes running around in this area. And, you know, it was just, it was crazy and it was silly. They, they were going to run away, but they didn't have anything to run to, and they quickly realized how silly that was and decided that was a bad idea. But sometimes in our Christian life, we know what God wants us to do, and God speaks to us, but we think we can run away from God. And it's silly. It's crazy. Here's a key thought. You have this in your notes. We can run from God, but we can't outrun God. Isn't that true? We, we can run from God, but we can't outrun God. You know why? Because he loves us too much. He cares for us. He's never going to leave us or forsake us. But the truth is this, and this is why we're studying the book of Jonah. I love this story, that all of us have a little bit of Jonah in us at times in our life. We know that God is speaking to us and telling us what to do or not do, but we go in the opposite direction. We, we run away. In verse 1, this story opens up, and it says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah. The Lord clearly spoke to Jonah. God loves to, to speak to his people because he wants us to be in relationship with him. And, and for some of you, this can relate to you today. You know that God is speaking to you about something. There's a direction he wants you to go. There's a decision he wants you to make. Uh, sometimes I have people today say, you know, I, God doesn't really seem to speak to people like he once did. We know in the Old Testament that God would speak to people sometimes in an audible voice. Many times it would be through a prophet like Jonah. Jonah was a prophet, a spokesperson for God. And sometimes people say, well, God doesn't really speak to people today. Or how does God speak to people today? I believe God speaks to his people all the time today if we'll just be willing to listen. That's why he's given us his word. His word is what speaks to us. When we say yes to Jesus, he gives us his word and he puts his spirit, the Holy Spirit, inside of us. And the Bible says the spirit guides and directs us through the truth of God's word. God has a lot he wants to say to us if we'll just open up the word. And when we get into the word, the word gets into us. And God directs us and he speaks to us. And I believe God speaks through his word and through his spirit and through circumstances, open and closed doors. God speaks through the church. God speaks through the preaching of his word like what we're doing today. And, and why does God speak to his children? Why does God speak to his people? Because God loves us. He wants to change us. He wants to redirect us. He wants to protect us from some bad, unwise decisions in our life but just like Jonah when God speaks to us we have a choice to make are we going to go or are we going to say no are we going to trust God and obey God or are we going to go in the opposite direction if you're taking notes I want us to look today at four ways that the Jonah in us shows up in this story in the book of Jonah four ways the Jonah in us sometimes shows up when God says go and we're tempted to say no number one God will often ask us to do things we don't want to do <laughs> amen God will often ask us to do things we don't really want to do. That was the case with Jonah. God clearly said to Jonah, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked its people are. But like Jonah, sometimes here's the challenge and the problem. We know what God is telling us. We know what God is saying to us, but we think we know better. We think we got a better way. A, a better direction, a better decision than what God is leading us to make in our life. Parents, don't we experience this with our kids all the time? We tell our kids something to do or not do, and, and they, why? 
But why? I don't like that. I don't want to do that. That doesn't make any sense. But parents, we know best. We, we want what's best for our kids. Our Heavenly Father wants what's best for us. Again, I remember when my, my kids were younger and, and uh, when Caleb, our son, was, I think it was about, I don't know, six or seven years old. And our kids are, are very different, um, Caleb and Caitlin, especially when they were younger. Um, whenever they would get some money, maybe for their birthday or Christmas, or grandma and grandpa would give them some money, well, our daughter, Caitlin, would always save it up. She'd never want to spend it. I mean, to the point where sometimes we would come to Caitlin, our daughter, and we'd say, you have more money in the bank than we have in the bank. You, need, you know, you can buy something. Spend. So she would save her money and buy something really nice. Well, Caleb was a spender. Now, he's gotten way better, and he's learned from this, but he was a spender. He'd get a dollar, it would burn a hole in his pocket. He'd want to get the store, and he'd want to buy, you know, some playing cards or some gum. He would always want to buy something, and his sister would always save up and get nicer things. And so we told Caleb, listen, if you want to get something nicer, you've got to save up your money, and you've got to wait. Well, he was saving for something, a Game Boy or something. I don't know. He was saving his money, but he was going to Walmart with his mom, and he had had a little bit of money, but he was trying to save it up. And his mom warned him, said, now listen, there's going to be a lot of temptations in Walmart. There's going to be a lot of things you want to buy. But remember, you're saving for something special. Okay, okay, okay. So they go to Walmart. He did great. Made it through the whole store. Made it through the checkout line. And didn't buy anything. But on the way out, he saw the vending machines. And the vending machines got him. It sucked him in. And he's always been a huge sports fan. And there was a vending machine that had all these little miniature NFL helmets. And he's always been a huge Dallas Cowboy fan. That's his dad's fault. You can blame me for that. And so he sees this Dallas Cowboy helmet in with a bunch of other NFL helmets. And he just knew for sure if he put a dollar in there, he would get a Dallas Cowboy helmet. And his mom said, that's a bad idea. You're probably not going to get a Cowboy helmet. It's a waste of money. He didn't listen to mom. He wanted to try it. He put his dollar in. He turned the thing. And a helmet helmet came out he looked at the helmet it wasn't a Dallas Cowboys helmet guess what it was it was a Raiders helmet he takes it he throws it down on the ground stomps on it maybe not that and he starts to cry he's like I can't believe and his mom said I tried to warn you I tried to tell you and uh, Shelly said walking out of the store he goes that was so stupid should have listened to mom. But have you ever been there in your Christian life? You knew what God was telling you to do or not do. You did something different. You went in the opposite direction. I've been there and I've said, that was stupid. <laughs> that was so dumb. Why didn't I listen to God? Why didn't I trust God? He loves me. He knows what's best for me. He knows uh, his will and plans and purposes for my life better than anyone else. Why would we not listen to him? But sometimes the Jonah shows up in us, and, and God will often ask us to do things we don't want to do. Now, here's the question. Why didn't Jonah want to go to the city of Nineveh? I mean, after all, he was a prophet of God. That's what he was used to doing, speaking on the behalf of God. Let me tell you a little bit uh, about this place, Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And the Assyrian Empire was known as the worst enemy of the Israelites, and Jonah was an Israelite. And so they, they were enemies. And when the Assyrians would 
besiege a city and, and try to take it over, they were very barbaric and ruthless and they would torture everyone in the city before they would conquer the city. Uh, history tells us that uh, they were so feared by everyone else that if a city heard that the Assyrians were coming to attack them, many people in the city would commit suicide and take their own life. They said that's better than going through the torture of the Assyrians. And when they would show up in a city, they would rape the women, they would torture the kids, they had mastered the art of skinning men alive, burying them in the sand, staking their tongue to the sand, and then forcing them to listen to Justin Bieber music all day long. <laughs> Bad. Yeah, that, that last part might not be true, but the, the rest is. And, and, and man, they were ruthless. They would behead everyone in the city and they would stack their heads at the gate so that when other cities would see them, they would be like, don't mess with us. We, we will take you out. We'll do to you what we did to them. We, we conquered them, we'll conquer you. And so that's a little bit of the background of the Assyrians. And Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrians. And God comes to Jonah and says, Jonah, I want you go, to go to Nineveh, to the capital of Assyria, and tell them how wicked they are, and then I'm going to judge them. Yeah, Jonah's like, nope, I don't think so. That's a bad idea, God. So maybe we can cut Jonah a little bit of slack when we understand the context. He, he had all kinds of excuses. And this is how sometimes the Jonah in us shows up. God speaks to us clearly through his word or, or circumstances or otherwise people. We know exactly what God wants us to do or not do. But aren't we so good at coming up with excuses? God, I know what you want me to do, but I really don't want to do that. I, I don't really think that's a good idea. I don't, that doesn't make sense to me. Maybe God is speaking to some of you in your life right now. God is saying, listen, I know there's someone who deeply wounded and hurt you, but I want you to forgive them. I want you to forgive them because I've forgiven you. But God, I don't really want to do that. That doesn't make sense. Maybe God is challenging you to step up and serve on a ministry team, to serve your neighbors, to serve people in your community. Maybe God is saying to you, I want you to go public with your faith in believer's baptism. You know, Jesus died publicly for you. Can you go public with your faith for him? Maybe God is saying, hey, I want you to share your faith with those in your sphere of influence. Invite them to an Easter service. Invite them to a series. Tell them about Jesus. Maybe God is speaking to some of you, and you know what God's word says about putting God first in the area of your finances. The Bible calls it a tithe. 10%, the first 10% of our income as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, the Bible says doesn't even belong to us. It belongs to the Lord. And God wants to see if he can trust us to put him first and, and give that back to him. But that's why one of our values here at Orchard Church that is based on the scripture says this. We're a church that acts our wage. How do we act our wage? By living out biblical principles of giving first, saving second, living on the rest. Because here at Orchard, we believe what the Bible says, that when we give God our first and our best, the rest will be blessed. But we can sometimes say, oh, but God, I know that's what your word says, but I, I, that, is, that hurts, that doesn't feel good, that doesn't make sense, I don't, I don't want to do that. Maybe there's a relationship that you're in right now as a single person, and God is saying, that relationship isn't the relationship I have for you. I've got something different, I've got something better for you that's not healthy. I, I, God's saying, I know what the end of that relationship is, is going to be or, or should be. And we're so good at making excuses. Oh, but, but God, she smells so good. But God, don't you know, he looks so hot in those jeans. I feel so great when I'm around that person. But God may be saying something different. And, it, and the Jonah will, in us will sometimes show up and we make excuses not to trust God, not to obey God and follow God. Or have you ever done this? I have in my life. We know what God's telling us to do. And we say, okay, God, I'll do that later. <laughs> 
Uh, not, not this week, not, not this month. I'll do it eventually. But as we say all the time, delayed obedience is disobedience. God will often ask us to do things we don't like to do, just like Jonah. Here's a second thing, how we see Jonah and us show up in the story. We can always find a boat sailing in the wrong direction. If we don't want to do what God wants to do, we can always find a boat sailing in the wrong direction, the opposite direction. That's exactly what happened with Jonah. It says, instead of trusting and following God and doing what God said, but Jonah got up and he went in the, help me out again, church, opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Now, let me just give you a little context. When it says he went in the opposite direction, it wasn't like he just went a few feet or a few yards or a few miles in the opposite direction. He went as far in the opposite direction as he could possibly go in the known world at that time. We're going to put a map on the screen. So Jonah was living in the uh, area of Israel right here. God told him to go to Nineveh, which was about 500 miles to the northeast. That's where he was to go. Instead, he went down south to the port of Joppa. He got on a ship to sail all the way across the Mediterranean Sea to Tarshish. Uh, This is 2,500 miles away from Nineveh. This was the edge of the earth at this time. Today, Nineveh would be in modern-day Iraq, and Tarshish would be in modern-day Spain. He said, I mean, when it says he went in the opposite direction, he went in the opposite direction as far away as he could humanly go, or at least he was trying to. History tells us that to get on a ship at that time and get all the way over here to Tarshish, it would have taken about a year traveling on that ship. That's a lot of running, a year. And maybe God is speaking to some of you right now, and you can relate to this. God spoke to you at one time in your life. Maybe it was a week ago. Maybe it was a month ago. Maybe it was a year ago. Maybe it was years ago. And you're still going in the opposite direction. You're still going away from God. I'll say it again. We can run from God, but we can't outrun God. We can't outrun his presence, his love in our life. He's going to relentlessly pursue us. And what I've found in my life, and maybe some of you have as well, sometimes it's not that we're intentionally, thoughtfully going in the opposite direction and running from God, but we're drifting in the opposite direction. Maybe we're not intentionally running, but, but we're just drifting. If we don't stay on course and stay focused on our relationship with God and his word and what he's doing, it's easy to just drift in our Christian life, isn't it, church? If you're with me, say yes. We can so easily drift. I remember several years ago, we took a family vacation um, to Hawaii. And I grew up in the Midwest, in Oklahoma, spent some time in Missouri and Indiana, now live in Colorado. I've never lived by the ocean and the beach. And so I wanted to try surfing. I thought this would be a great idea. And so I had this guy that I met. He was going to help me. And he gave me this, you know, humongous surfboard. And, and really, I was just trying to stand up for a few seconds and call it surfing. And, and I, I got, got out there. And, you know, my family's up on the beach. And they're laughing at me and watching and taking pictures and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm out there. And I'm, I'm trying to get up on this board. And I keep falling off. And I remember at one point, I fell off. And I fell into some coral, into a reef. And I split my toe wide open. I still have a scar today. I look down in the water. And in Hawaii, the water's super clear. And, and blood is just bubbling out of my toe. The water's getting redder and redder. And then it hit me. I'm in Hawaii. They have sharks in Hawaii. Sharks like blood. And I, listen, I tell people, I'm not short. I'm fun size. And so I would be a fun size snack for a shark. So I'm like telling the guy, yeah, I think I've had enough surfing for today. Let's, let's get in. But we'd been out there about an hour. And I remember when we finally got to the shore, I get out and I start looking around. 
And I don't notice any of my surroundings. Nothing is familiar. Like the hotels that were once there aren't there. I'm looking for my family on the beach. I can't find them anywhere. And he's like, oh yeah, the current took us down. We, we drifted about a half a mile uh, down the beach and didn't even realize it. You know, and I had to get this big old surfboard that was like four times my size. Don't laugh at that, okay? And carry it, you know? And I just didn't realize that I drifted. And sometimes that happens in our Christian life if we're not careful. You know, it's not that we're intentionally maybe running in the opposite direction, but maybe we're just drifting. At one point, man, we were on course. We were laser focused on our relationship with God. We were involved in church and with God's people. It was making a difference in our life and our marriage and with our kids as they were growing in their class and learning about Jesus at their level. We're, we're getting into God's word every day and God is speaking to us because when we get into God's word, God's word gets into us and it makes a difference in our life. We, maybe there's one time in our life that we get involved in connection and community groups. We get in a small group. We serve on a ministry team and we're making a difference and we're um, putting God first in our ties and our finances we're being discipled and we're having somebody coach us in the Christian life and we're growing in our faith and, and things are going great man and we're on course but if we're not careful if we don't stay on course and stay focused before we know it if we just get our eyes a little bit off of Jesus we'll drift away it's called in the church world summer it's called summer and if we're not careful We'll miss one week of church and then it's two weeks and then it's three and before you know it, it's a couple of months and before we know it, we're off course. We're out of God's word. We're out of doing life in community groups and small groups and we're serve, serving. We're not giving. We're not putting God first any longer. We're not being discipled or discipling others and, and it's not that we're just intentionally running in the opposite direction. We've just gotten our eyes off of Jesus and we start to drift away and one day we wake up and we look around and everything looks different. Our marriage isn't as healthy. Our relationship with our kids isn't as great. Things at work aren't going as well. We don't have the fulfillment and satisfaction we once had. You know what happened? We drifted. We drifted. We just drifted away from God. Whether we run from God or we drift from God, we can always find a boat sailing in the opposite direction. Can't we, church? They're everywhere. We can always find a boat sailing in the opposite direction. Here's the third thing we see in this story. Here's how the Jonah in us shows up. God may send a storm to get our attention. If we find ourselves running in the opposite direction from the Lord like Jonah or just drifting in the opposite direction, God loves us enough to send a storm to get our attention. That's exactly what happens in Jonah's life. Watch this as we pick it up in verse four. Here we have Jonah, a man on the run, trying to get as far away from God as he can. But let's say these first three words of verse four together, nice and loud, Orchard Church. What does it say? But the Lord... You see, but the Lord, Jonah thought he could get away from the Lord, he could run in the opposite direction, but the Lord had something different in mind. He loved Jonah too much to just allow him to run and keep running, but the Lord stepped in. The Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. I mean, these sailors are pagan sailors. They don't know the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob that uh, Jonah knows but all this time Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold of the ship so the captain went down after him how can you sleep at a time like this he shouted get up and pray to your God he's like man we're up here having a prayer meeting whoever your God is you need to be praying we're about to die because of this storm 
Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused this terrible storm. This was like the rolling of the dice and God's gonna use this to reveal whose fault this was. And when they did this, the lots identified who church? They identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Let me just stop right here and just mention this. Have you noticed how many times when we've been reading the scriptures here, the word down is used? They went down into the ship. Um, This storm has come down on them. Anytime we're running away from the Lord, our life doesn't go up, it goes down. It goes down. Who are you? They asked Jonah, what is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? And Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven. Well, that's debatable at this point, isn't it? (laughs) He's saying the right thing, but he's doing something completely opposite. And can I be as bold to say this in love and grace? A lot of Christians are just like this. They say, I worship the Lord God Almighty. And they claim to be a Christian, but their lives are going in a completely opposite direction. Just like Jonah. It's one thing to say it, it's another thing to live it. He says, I worship the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the land, which he wishes he was on right now instead of in this boat. And the sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it, they groaned. This is a bad idea, are you crazy, Jonah? And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Jonah says, throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all God's fault. Is that what Jonah said? No, he said, I know this terrible storm is all, what church? All my fault. Jonah had no one to blame but himself. And if we find ourselves running from God or drifting from God, God is loving and gracious enough. He may send a storm to get our attention. This storm was nobody's fault but Jonah's. Now let me say this. Sometimes the storms that come into our life, just like Jonah, they're our fault. We bring it on ourselves. Sometimes God allows storms to come into our life, not because it's our fault, but because God is just trying to strengthen our faith and draw us closer to him, amen? But in this case, God's trying to get his attention. And in all my 29 years of ministry, man, I have seen God over and over in other people's life and in my life try to get people's attention. And I've seen God at times try to get my attention. And you know what? God knows how to get our attention when he needs to, doesn't he? If you feel like, man, this is your life right now, if this relates to you, and God is trying to get your attention, maybe he's sending a storm in your life because he loves you enough to get your attention, let me just ask you this question. What's it gonna take for God to get your attention? What's it gonna take for God to turn you around? Maybe what you need in your life is exactly what Jonah experienced. You need a but the Lord moment. You need a but the Lord moment. But the Lord sent a storm to get my attention, to turn me around because he loves me that much. He wants to give me a second chance. That's what God is doing in Jonah's life. He's sending this storm to get his attention to turn him around because he wants to give him a second chance. And, he, and we're going to see that play out in this, storm, in this, in this uh, series and in this story. And if the storm isn't enough, then the fourth thing might happen if you're taking notes. Jonah's worst nightmare was exactly what he needed. Jonah's worst nightmare was exactly what he needed. If the but the Lord moment isn't enough, the storm, then God knows how to turn up the heat and that's exactly what he does with Jonah. Look at verse 13 and what it says in verse 13. It says this. Instead, 
the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to the land. Jonah said, hey, I want you to throw me overboard because this is my fault. But the sailors were like, no, we don't want to do that. At this point, they had probably been sailing for several months. We don't know how long it was. They had grown to like Jonah. Uh, he had, they had befriended him. And so he's like, yeah, just throw me overboard. Let me die. And they're like, no, no, we're not going to do that. So it says, instead, the sailors rode even harder to get the ship to the land. But the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. You know why they couldn't make it? Because, listen, we cannot beat the will and purposes of God. We can't outrow God. We can't outrun God. We can't uh, get victory over God. God always wins. Then, verse 14, they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. They're becoming believers now in Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Isn't that interesting? They understood what God was doing in Jonah's life maybe better than Jonah did. Then the sailors picked Jonah up, and they threw him into the raging sea. Now, I can only imagine this scene. I, I like to imagine when I read the Bible how this might have played out. And you got one sailor grabs his arms and one grabs his legs. And they're like, okay, Jonah, we're going to do this. We don't have any other choice uh, or we're going to all perish. So it's one, two. Okay, wait, do we throw on three or is it three and then we throw? I, I mean, I'm just imagining this playing out. Three, they throw him overboard. It says they threw him in the raging sea and the storm stopped at once. Just whoosh. The sea's like glass. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power. And they offered him a sacrifice and they vowed to serve him. Man, they all get saved. They say yes to God. They start following him. Verse 17. Now, remember back in verse 4 when God was trying to get his attention? God sent a storm and it was a but the Lord moment. Now we have something different. Verse 17. Let's say these three words together, Orchard Church. Now the Lord. If the but the Lord doesn't work... There's a now the Lord moment. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. The Lord had arranged for a great fish. Now there's a lot of bait, debate among people and theologians what this great fish was. It's most commonly referred to as a whale, and it may have been a whale. I mean, it's very possible that a whale could swallow a man and these things could happen. Um, but if it's not a whale, it's possible God just created a divinely appointed supernatural fish to take care of Jonah. I mean, if God created all the fish in the sea in the first place, he can do it again, right? I, I don't care. I just know there was a big old fish that swallowed Jonah, but it says God arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. I would love to have been there for that conversation. God's talking to the, you know, the fish. He's like, hey, there's gonna be a guy that's gonna fall in the water in just a moment and you're gonna pick him up and you're gonna swallow him and he's gonna be in your belly for three days and three nights. I'll tell you what to do from there. Stay tuned. I mean, he's got, I, I just assume that there's gotta be a conversation because it says, now the Lord arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. I mean, this is a nightmare situation for Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for how long, church? Three days and three nights. Three days and three nights. If the but the Lord moment doesn't get our attention, God may send a now the Lord moment. Jonah's worst nightmare, though, was exactly what he needed. First, it's a storm. Then he gets thrown overboard, probably thinks he's gonna drown and die, but instead, he's swallowed by this great fish and he's in the belly of the fish. I mean, this is a bad day for Jonah. I mean, it doesn't get much worse, right? Other than if he would have just died. But God was merciful and gracious enough to give him a second chance. But this was exactly what Jonah needed. This is exactly what Jonah needed. And, and this may speak to someone today. 
You can relate to this. Maybe you're in a now the Lord moment. You've gone through a storm and now you'd say, man, I feel like this is a nightmare situation. If you're not there now, maybe you have been in the past or there might be one coming. It's happened in my life. And, and now the Lord moment, you say, man, you know, this is, this, is, this is about as bad as it gets financially, relationally, emotionally, maybe with your health. God, though, in those moments when he does that, he's trying to get our attention. Sometimes it's exactly what we need. And then God will say, okay, now that I have your full attention, are you ready to listen? Are you ready to trust me? Are you ready to obey my purposes and plans for your life? And if you don't hear anything else I say at Orchard Church, hear this loud and clear. If you are in the middle of a storm in your life or a nightmare situation and you know God, you're a follower of Jesus, listen, God is not trying to pay you back. He's trying to win you back. He's trying to win you back. He's trying to give you a second chance to get you back on course. And that's exactly what we're gonna see play out in this story next week because we can run from God, but we can't outrun God. He loves us too much. I want uh, right now to, to show a short video to you guys, a story of a man named Josh right here at Orchard Church was going through a storm and a nightmare situation in his life, but that's exactly what God used to turn him around and give him a second chance. Watch this. You know, I had the kid very young, you know, got into uh, a marriage early age and, you know, had to uh, make a life and, you know, and uh, what way to do that. I figured the army, I was the poster boy. You know, I mean, we were losing guys to, uh, you know, some sniper fire, a couple roadside bombs, and we were getting hit left and right. I was having some, uh, some issues where you know, a doctor was telling me, you know, hey, you're not sleeping at night, you're having nightmares, having anger outbursts, you know, you can't remember things. At that time, I didn't really accept the fact that I had, a, I didn't think I had a problem because you know, for one, I'm breathing. Two, I'm still out partying, having a good time with my brothers, spending all my money, you know, so my relationship definitely took a toll on that too. You know, we all came back with scars and issues, you know. Got my divorce, I lost everything. Moved out, moved into my parents' basement, and then uh, shortly after, got my first apartment. I was on supervised visits with my kid. You know, it was, it was a very dark time. You know, I, I, started, invol I started getting involved with some wrong people. Uh, alcohol was big in the picture, uh, drugs as well. I found myself in my apartment one night. I was, I was drunk and um, had my pistol. You know, I, I was in a very dark spot. I don't know what to think. Like, you know, I don't feel like I should be here. I felt like my self-worth was gone. You know, I had that gun on me and it made perfect sense. It's like, I shouldn't be here anymore. You know, I could have easily just you know, pulled the trigger or, or just, uh, you know, took that, took that way out for something. But something about that just didn't seem right. But God had a greater, I, I had this feeling that something more, there's something greater in my life than just this. So, you know, it's a fact the church was right up the street. We're like, you know, we just give this, give this a try. My wife brought it up. She says, you know, maybe this might be a good thing for us. Let's just go give this a try and see how it's gonna speak to us. And that first service did. I mean, the labels hit me hard because that's where I was always stuck. It was like the guy with injury, combat injuries. Like, you know, like, I didn't expect this to hit me like that. All right, God, you're talking to me. You got my attention now. Like, let's go ahead and 
what, what else do you got for me, you know? And it's, it's great. You know, I, I used to listen to music on my way to work. And I like find myself listening to the gospel. And I'm like, that makes sense now, you know? Everybody was just so easy to talk to and, and, and hearing everybody else's story too made me feel like, you know, it made my, my wife and I feel like we're not alone. You know, there, there's struggle out here. Whether you're, you've never been in the war or you've you know, been through abuse, uh, you know, there, there is a way. Man, I just want to give the Lord praise for this second chance story. Appreciate Josh sharing that with us. Would you join me in an attitude of prayer right now with just heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment? I'll say it again. We can run from God but we can't outrun God. He loves us too much. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will relentlessly pursue us. And I believe that God may be speaking to some of you today, right here, maybe some of you that are watching online, and you'd say, you know, I I think I've been running from God. I've been going in the opposite direction of what he has for my life. Or maybe you've just been drifting. There was a time where you were growing in your relationship with the Lord, and you're putting him first, but you've just kind of drifted away. And maybe for you today, it's time to stop running from God and drifting from God, and it's time to run to God. It's time to run to God. If that's you today, if God's speaking to you in that way, with heads bowed and eyes closed, can I pray for you? Would you just slip up your hand all across the auditorium if that's you today? If you say, yes, God is speaking to me today. I want to run to him. I don't want to run from him. I don't want to drift from him. I don't want to go in the wrong direction any longer. Lift your hands up nice and high. Amen. Amen. Several hands. God bless you. God bless you. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that we would stay on course, that we would keep our eyes on your son, Jesus, that we would stay in your word, Lord, that we would not drift, that we would not run from you. As you're speaking to people in a specific way, Lord, you know what is best. You know the plans and purposes that you have for our life. Lord, we pray, I pray for all these people that if they've drifted from you or they're running from you, that today would be the day that they stop running from you and start running to you. And then if you're allowing a storm or even a nightmare situation in their life, it's because you love them and you're trying to get their attention, just like you did Josh in this video, and to, to turn them back around and back on course and, and walking in a right relationship with you, that you're not trying, Lord, to pay them back, but to, to win them back, and that they would respond to that, because we know that All things work together for good to those who love you, who are the called according to your purposes. May some lives be turned back to you today. As we continue an attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. If you're here today and you've never invited Jesus into your life as Lord and Savior, God has been pursuing you all of your life. He wants to know you. He wants you to know him. But maybe you've been running from him all of your life. And the storms and the difficult situations and the darkness in your life is God's love and grace and mercy trying to reach out to you, to get your attention, to turn you to your God, your Lord, your Savior, the God that loves you more than you can ever imagine. He loved you so much, the Bible says 2,000 years ago, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, his name is Jesus, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life sins forgiven, a home in heaven, a relationship with our creator and our heavenly father. And I believe that for some of you, your whole life has been leading to this time, this moment, this day, to say yes to Jesus. And if that's you today, and you're ready to open your heart and life by faith to Jesus, to to run to God, to run into his loving arms, to have a second chance, a fresh start in life, 
I'm gonna pray a prayer of faith in just a moment out loud. It's not a magic prayer or magic words that we say, but if you'll pray it from a heart of belief and faith, you can say yes to Jesus today. You can invite him into your life. If that's you, would you pray this prayer right where you are right now from your heart to God's and it goes like this. Jesus, I'm saying yes to you today. Yes, be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me for my, for my sins. I don't want to run from you any longer. I'm running to you today. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me, dying for me, and giving me a second chance. Thank you. Thank you. So we continue an attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody looking around. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I would love the privilege to pray for you right now. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three. On the count of three without anyone else looking around, would you slip up your hand nice and high so I can pray for you right now if you prayed that prayer? One, two, three. Lift up your hands nice and high if you prayed that. Yes, a couple of people right there in the back. Yes, God bless you. Yes, over here. God bless you. Yes, on my left. Yes, right here. God bless you. I see your hand. Yes, right here. Yes, sir. God, right, right here. I see your hand. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Quite a few hands. Amen. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we pray for those saying yes to you today. We welcome them into the family of God as our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we pray, Lord, that we would leave here today not running from you, not drifting from you, but running to you, our Lord, our Savior, and our good God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Doug, we would love to get you a copy of this Yes booklet. The decision you made is the most important decision of your life, and we want to help you take your next steps. To get a copy of this booklet and to let us know about your decision, simply email us at yes at orchard.church.